Hello, this is Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. I'm delighted that you could join us. And today Brian brings us the talk number three in this series about grandparents and the lessons these Bible characters can teach us. Our talk today is called The Grandfather Who'd Have Been So Disappointed. Are you intrigued? Well, let's go to Brian and find out who he was. Thanks, John. Well, the young man walked the winding path up the hill. He was heading into the hill country, known then as the hill country of Ephraim. This was a new venture for him, belonging as he did down in the town of Bethlehem, the city of David. But as he walked away, he felt an exhilarating surge of freedom. The responsibilities of the service he'd been reared to perform with all its biblical rituals now lay behind him. He'd no particular destination in mind as he walked along. He was ready to explore whatever might come. There was a real sense of excitement in not being able to predict what lay in store. The mood of these days was one of doing your own thing, and that's what he fully intended to do. It would be good to break with tradition, to find himself. As it turned out, he didn't have to search long for an opportunity. An interesting challenge that seemed ideally suited to him presented itself quite early on. In one place where he found lodgings, his host inquired after his background. Likely his accent gave him away as not being local. He began explaining that he was a Levite, belonging to that tribe of Israel which had by God's initiative been given the task, even the privilege, of assisting the priests in their duties around God's house. That should have been enough for any man, but somehow he'd grown weary of it. What was it that had bred discontent in the young man? Was it a restless spirit of youth? A sense of needing to move with the times, perhaps? Did the careful instructions and provisions of the law of Moses seem a bit outdated to him, I wonder? Had he inherited an adventurous spirit from his parents? It seems his father had married outside the tribe of Levi, married a woman of Judah, in fact, so they weren't living in any one of the Levitical cities. Did this young man want to distance himself one stage further from living strictly as a Levite? Or was he simply making the same mistake that each rising generation tends to make by thinking there's greater freedom in exercising a choice that strays from God's prescribed path? Once this young man had explained to his host about his Levitical background, an idea suddenly flashed into the mind of his host. He too had kicked against God's laws, the Ten Commandments. For one thing, he'd broken the command against stealing. At one point he'd even stolen a large sum of money in silver from his own mother. But then his conscience had finally got the better of him and he'd returned it. With foolish indulgence, his mother had allowed him to make use of some of it to make household idols. So another of God's commands had come to be broken. Not only idols, but a graven and a molten image, along with a shrine and an ephod. At this time, one of his own sons was acting as the family priest. This was all far removed from what the young Levite knew well was God's way. But suddenly the young traveller realised he was being offered a job by his host, whom by now he discovered was called Micah. Would he like to lodge here permanently and take over from Micah's son? 
From Micah's point of view, it seemed desirable to secure the services of a trained, professional, priestly assistant. So desirable, in fact, that he'd make it worth the young man's while. Not only would he receive daily provisions, but there was a salary on offer which extended to ten pieces of silver annually with a new suit of clothes each year thrown in. That seemed good to the young man, and he accepted the deal. Not only would this be a new challenge, a refreshing change, it would allow him to experiment with different religious ideas, ones which weren't constrained by strict biblical requirements. He'd gain independence, free from having to comply with others. Besides that, there was the attraction of new financial security, not to mention a certain status. After all, there weren't likely to be other Levites around here. And so, doubtless with some considerations like those, the compromise was readily reached. The young Levite seemed to justify the move easily, despite it being shockingly different from his Bible-based background. This story, which closely follows the narrative of Judges chapter 17, stands as a warning from a bygone age of how easy it is in any generation to rationalise a departure from biblical teaching. The young Levite, whose adventure we've been following, sold out his principles big time for ten pieces of silver and a new suit of clothes. We rush to criticise him, but how different are we? James Patterson and Peter Kim wrote a book entitled The Day America Told the Truth. In their book, they asked the question, what are you willing to do for $10 million? They polled a number of Americans to see if they could agree to any of the following in return for receiving $10 million. Here's what they found. 25% would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 25% would abandon their church for $10 million. 23% would become prostitutes for a week or more, in exchange for $10 million. 16% would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 16% would leave their spouses for that amount of money. 10% would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free if they were given $10 million. 7% would murder a stranger for $10 million. And 3% would put their children up for adoption for that amount of money. Two-thirds of all Americans polled would agree to at least one of the conditions for $10 million. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? Hopefully, you would be among the one-third who would refuse to sell their integrity. The Bible proverb gives us timeless wisdom when it counsels us to buy truth and do not sell it. We too, like the young man we began considering, might be tempted to experiment, to try something new, something that's more up-to-date, more with it, more seemingly rewarding and successful. It may not be financial inducement or anything we'd recognise as status-seeking that draws us to compromise previously held convictions, but perhaps we're rationalising motivation that's in effect worth little more than ten silver coins and a new suit. Don't sell the truth at any price, is the Bible's clear warning. Let's come now to the sequel to that story we've shared so far. It's very revealing as to the apostasy of an entire tribe of Israel 
and concerning the surprising identity of the Levite whom we've already featured. This is what happened next from Judges 18 verse 26. So the sons of Dan took what Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and came to Laish, to a people quiet and secure, and struck them with the edge of the sword, and they burned the city with fire. And they rebuilt the city and lived in it. They called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. The sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image which he had made all the time that the house of God was at Shiloh. These nomadic Danites were looking for a place to settle, and here they found it, establishing a tribal centre of idolatrous worship under the priesthood of the young Levite. Perhaps he was content to be conscripted by the Danites, seeing it as something of a promotion. Now he'd have the status of being priest to an entire tribe among his people. But we can't talk about success here. This is nothing but serious failure, and it extended through until the time of the captivity of the land. The reference to the house of God in Shiloh implies that the worship at the Danite shrine opposed the true worship of the Lord there. And this false worship in Dan became a forerunner of that of Jeroboam I, who later established a northern kingdom shrine at Dan. Finally, at the end of this long, intriguing chapter, the young Levite is named as Jonathan, the son of Gershom. The Hebrew text has inserted an extra letter N into the name of Moses to make it read Manasseh, as we read earlier. One assumes this was a loyal scribe's attempt to relieve Moses' grandson, Jonathan, of involvement with idolatry. Well might he try to do that, sensing the shame this act of his grandson would bring to Moses. What had gone wrong? Was it the mixed messages from Jonathan's grandparents that led to his openness to experiment? His grandmother, Zipporah, was a Midianite, one who worshipped the moon god, and she may well have been into it initially, given that her father was a priest. When parents aren't completely united in their religious understanding, surely this uncertainty cannot fail to be transmitted, even in subtle ways. Might this, then, have been what contributed to Jonathan's commitment being able to be so readily dissolved for a mere ten silver coins and a suit of clothes? His tragic legacy was to be an opposition to Shiloh, at very least until the Philistine conquest, and a foretaste of worse times to come under Jeroboam I. Surely a legacy no grandfather would want for their grandson, especially not a grandfather of the calibre of Moses.
Once again, we have a free transcript book for this series. It's available by request. And at the same time, if you have any questions, please write in and Brian will be glad to help. We never pass on your details to anyone, so you can contact us with confidence. You can also download many of our books and talks via the internet, but the hard copy book for this series is available to you by asking for the title Grandparents. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN4 8DY UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks and you'll see it's been sorted into categories so you can find what you're looking for. And once again, time has beaten us, but I hope you enjoyed today's talk and found it of benefit. Next week we'll be learning from yet another biblical grandparent, so I hope you'll be able to join us then. So until next time, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So bye for now and may God richly bless you. Oh.